Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Drop-In Morning Show with the Teach Better team, where we are live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, as we currently stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And of course, if you're listening to this after the fact, we totally understand. We appreciate those of you who've chosen to subscribe and rate and review the Teach Better Talk podcast as a way to catch the show after the fact. As we get started here, we have a whole lot in store. It's Wednesday, so there's a lot going on. Aaron is here with us. We have a good news article. We have our new theme for the week. And of course, we will have recommendations for you, which we love to do every single Wednesday. Please go get your coffee ready. Make sure your space is set for you to be successful getting ready for your day and obviously listening and commenting as needed. And let's get into it. Happy, happy Wednesday. We have Erin with us. Erin, how are you this morning? Great. How are you doing today? Good. We are going to have such good conversation. I'm so excited to kind of like bring you into the Teach Better family because we connected a, a few months ago via, I believe it was Dave Schmidto. And now obviously you're live and, and you, you choose to tune in a daily drop in all the time. We see you in the comments. Now you're actually live on camera with us. So tell us a little about yourself. Well, I am a busy mom of three very energetic children. And I have been teaching elementary for almost 20 years. And uh, just recently in the past two years, made a move to Michigan. Most of the All of my teaching was in Ohio. And uh, now we are in Michigan. And I did not go back into the classroom. I have been spending the past two and a half years researching um, and writing. And now I am teaching graduate courses for educators. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit about your research and the courses you teach. All right. So I, when, when, I moved, when we moved, um, it's interesting because when you teach, I, I taught in one, one district for the bulk of my career. And it's funny how when you teach in one district, you kind of just assume that all districts are the same. And when we made the move to Michigan, not only were we in a new district, we were in a new state. And we all know state by state, you know, education is a little bit different. And um, seeing what the new school district was doing and seeing and knowing what we did in our old, in my old district, um, my wheels were spinning with what's best for kids. And I've always been that person who is, uh, I would joke and say like, I would, I'd be in the doghouse because I'm the girl that would always stick up for what's best for kids, whether that's what was what um, we were being asked to do, or I'm the girl that would always stand up and, and say what everybody else was thinking. So my wheels are turning, right? And I'm, I'm comparing and I've got these three kids of my own and I, started just digging into research on developmental issues, um, developmental growth. I, I taught fourth grade and down, um, but kindergarten has my heart, the little ones. And 
it's funny because in education, we feel we have this umbrella of best practices and what's best for kids, but kindergarten, those little ones are a whole different ballgame. And so I started thinking about the, the, like the unwritten standards, the social, emotional, the like motor skills, executive function, growth mindset, all of those things that just develop over time. And I just started researching like, what is it? Why is it important? And what are practical strategies to teach those things? We're in this race to get learn as much and know as much and master as much as we can. But I, I, I started to form this theory um, that if we slow down early in education, like early childhood, K to five, they would be the students would be better equipped with the tools necessary, like mindset and executive function, um, that will help them handle the rigor of their education for the rest of the way on up. So as you were doing this, it's a lot. <laughs> no, it's it's an, a, a wonderful topic. I know it's going to interest so many of our viewers. And this morning, we already have people commenting saying they're so excited for you to be here. Good morning. So we're getting started with a great topic. I know this is going to engage so many educators. If they were listening to you, obviously they're hearing that you're doing research, you're teaching graduate courses, your passion is to look at, you know, this, this younger grade. I've never taught kindergarten. I love being in kindergarten classes. What have you been able to do with this finding? Are you still in a research phase? Are you sharing what you have found with others? How does that work in terms of your role currently? So currently I'm navigating a new, new waters in my life. I am, I, I have this desire to help educators and to help school districts or even like the bigger system um, with knowledge of these developmental, the er areas of developmental growth. And so right now I have just published a book called Slow Down Children Are Learning. And um, it just, March 1st, it is available on Amazon. And um, I don't know where it's gonna go or what I'm gonna do with it, but I'm hoping it makes an impact on a larger scale. Um, and the thing is in the book, it's just practical strategies that you can just slide into what you already do. Like teachers are so overwhelmed right now, more than ever, we know we hear, all the time, some of the greatest teachers leaving the field. And the last thing they want to hear is, oh, here, and do this, add this to your plate. So these, the, the book is filled with just simple, practical strategies, a lot of which many educators already do. Um, but it's a nice reminder that the research backs the practice. So that there is a reason for doing some of these things that maybe over time we feel have be have become less meaningful, but are so important. I'm so excited to dive further into this during our brainstorm bank segment. I know that so many of us here listening on the daily drop in love those tactical and strategic takeaways that we can, you know, hear in the morning and maybe implement later that day or or implement later that week. And I'm so excited to be able to bring some of these insights to our crew, and then also be able to share on the book and, and everything else as, as we dive further in. 
But March 1st, you just launched a book. Holy moly. That means that you are in a whirlwind a space getting that already. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to write a book and then actually see it come to fruition. Because there's so many of us here in this community that have either had that experience or or have aspirations to go and, and do that. So tell us a little bit of that personal side. How was it writing a book? Well, Ray, it's interesting because it's something I've never done. And honestly, it's not anything that I ever set out to do. Um, when we moved to Michigan, I thought I was going to just love being a stay-at-home mom and having this new role. But my wheels did not stop. Like, my, like I need cognitive. <laughs> I, I need to be like work, 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 working. Um, and... I was up through the night, like making lists and creating webs. And then I would have moments where I'm like, Erin, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, you're not in the classroom right now. Why are you doing this? But my, I couldn't stop. So I started thinking I need to do something with this. And that's when my webs turned into paragraphs, just like when you're teaching writing <laughs> to fourth graders, your webs turn into paragraphs and your paragraphs turn into chapters. And I don't know if it was the right process, um, but I just kept writing. So I set tiny goals. And once I realized that I was gonna do this and I had the research, I set weekly goals, like monthly goals and then broke them down into weekly goals. And I would get up before my kids and I would write. And then as soon as they were awake, we'd manage them and getting them off to school or whatever. And it, it probably took me a year to finish the writing. And then at that point, I thought, yay, it's done. We just have to figure out how to turn it into a book. Not even realizing the design and the all that goes into the internal um, insides of the book, you know? So then the, that process probably took another year and a half. <laughs> so it's wow. out there now. And I don't know if my process is the right process, but it just kind of happened. You know, I know that there's so many things that we're going to talk about in the show, but because I know writing a book is something that many people in our community has have shared might be a long-term dream. Do you have like one takeaway, one strategy that you're like, I don't know that I did everything right, but this is one thing that really helped me in the process. Did you feel like there was something, either a move you made, a choice you made, a, a strategy you approached where you were like this though, this was helpful? Yeah, so I watched a ton of YouTube videos on like how to write a book, what to do. I, I read a ton of books as I was writing. And uh, it was like I was doing research on the process of writing at the same time as I was doing, like as I went. Um, but I would say the one thing that helped the most was the goal setting that I did. I mean, I would say, okay, I want to have chapter one done by the end of this month. And then I would make the short weekly goals and I would hold myself accountable. I would get up for two hours before everybody else was awake and I would just get it done. Because I think so often, like I have other ideas in my head for other books, but you can't just sit down and write and expect to be done with a book. So I think goal setting, like chunking tiny uh making the goals smaller 
And because then you constantly have that feeling of, okay, it's accomplished. Like, okay, I made this week's goal on the next week's. I love it. Small, small goals give you small successes. You can get long, towards that long-term goal. I love that, Erin. You know, we do um, a, a part of our show in the, in the morning where we submit something we're grateful for into an app that we call Happy Feed. And for those of you who have tuned into the show over the last few weeks, Happy Feed is an app that was recommended to us by a guest that then I know many of you have chosen to also participate in. It's a space where you can document a moment or two or three every single day, a moment of gratitude. And then what we really love is that there's all these different ways to interact with those moments of gratitude, whether it's sharing with people via the app or just being able to revisit those moments of appreciation, moments of gratitude in a lot of different creative ways to make sure that they aren't just moments that you appreciate and move forward, but there's moments that you pre- appreciate that you can actually go back to later in life and, and, and also get that dose of, of happiness. So shout out to the app Happy Feed, doing incredible things. And Erin, we are using the free version of this app to document our moment of gratitude this morning. Is there something, Erin, that you feel that we should submit this morning as something that you're really appreciative of? Yeah, I love this. I love that you guys do this. And I, you, you mentioned that I get on and I've been watching every morning while I get ready. And I just love hearing what everybody's grateful for. I think that if I were driving into work, approaching my school building and the stress that comes with heading on in, I think that doing this practice can move mountains for you. Um, I One of the grad courses that I teach is on uh, growth mindset and the student's first assignment is to start a gratitude journal. And it's funny because every single student, like sometimes I get teary-eyed reading their assignments because they always start off with, I figured I didn't have time for this and I thought this was such a silly assignment. But by the end, the impact that it makes on their day, on their week, on their family, on their marriage, on their career is huge. Um, So there is so much to be grateful for and we can all list those big things. I'm grateful for, you know, food, shelter, family, all that health, big stuff. But um, I like to try to make it small. Like I'm grateful for that first sip of coffee in the morning or I'm grateful that my family members in Ohio are willing to make the drive to Michigan to come and visit. Um, But for me today, I would really like to just say that I'm grateful for like the connections with people. I love that connections with people. Tell us a little bit. I know that we're probably late. So sorry, guys. I know we're late because we're getting to such good dialogue here, Erin. But um, as you're talking about connections with people, have you made a lot of connections with educators now with this move? I mean, you essentially were in Ohio, you have this great network, then you moved to Michigan, and you're in some regards starting over with those connections. Have you felt that you've built a sense of community in this new location? Have you been connecting with people? I mean, whether it be people within the Teach Better team or, you know, just a wider audience for your kind of like PLN. Tell us a little about that. Well, moving is interesting. If you've never done it, it's not easy. Um, But we, my, myself, my husband, my kids, we're, we're people, I'm a people person, I guess. And we need that, like we need that connection and interaction. And 
starting the school year off our first year here and taking my kids to school and dropping them off, I thought I was going to be like, whoa, kids are gone. I'm, you know, I cried because I, I belong in a school building. And my husband was like, they'll be fine. I'm like, I'm not crying for them. I'm crying for me. Like, I'm supposed to be in the building welcoming kids, you know? And then the teachers talk, just having that parent perspective is so different. Like, they don't know who I am. They don't know what I know. And yeah, I have. So I started substitute teaching, to be honest. I um, sub in... I sub when I want, I don't sub when I don't want, <laughs> but I have made a lot of connections through subbing. Um, and then craziest thing, my connection with you guys in the Teach Better team came through a connection that I have with another teacher who left the field seven years ago, who's now a beach body coach. So she's my beach body coach. She knows Dave. She introduced me to Dave who introduced me to you. And here we are. So I have made connections. I've made like uh, connections with people in all different areas. Um, but it takes a while to make those connections be like deep connections rather than just like best friendships, you know? So that comes with time. Absolutely does. Yeah. And I loved connecting with you via Dave. It was not only an opportunity for me to learn more about you, but also connect you to other members within our Teach Better community. I know uh, Brad is giving you a shout out saying that you're going to be featured this month on his blog and podcast, which is so exciting. And obviously there's an, a few other friends that we've been able to, to add into your PLN, which is so wonderful. So I'm so glad that you've committed to really growing that, that diverse network, whether it be in Michigan, but also across our country, across North America, across the world. I love it. So for those of you uh, that are still with us, good morning. I'm where I know we're behind schedule, but we're going to transition here into some good news, some holidays. If you have questions for Aaron, because I just feel like I have so many, uh, please feel free to throw those in the chat. We would love to talk through them right here as we transition to our good news and then to our brainstorm. We are here to do so many different things out here on the Daily Drop-In. We've had some great dialogue so far. If you are just tuning in right now, good morning, and you've missed parts, so don't forget to go back and listen. Erin, we like this segment because we love to be able to bring good news and, and, and fun holidays to our friends and family as we are all getting ready for the day, whether we're getting kids ready and, you know, and we're still home or maybe we're in the car uh, transitioning to our school building. I actually got to speak to a few educators this week that were saying, oh, I listen to daily drop-in when I'm already in my classroom and I'm getting organized for the day. Like they pop it up on their phone or on their computer and they're in the midst of, of organizing um, their room. So regardless of where you are getting your morning started, we appreciate you being here. Erin, are you ready to celebrate some holidays? I am. I love this kind of stuff. I love it. There are a lot of interesting holidays today. National Crab Meat Day is the first one listed, which is which is quite a, a, a specific holiday. It's also National False Teeth Day. So for those of you who have false, false teeth, today's the day to celebrate. 
Um, it's also uh, National Get Over It Day. So I don't know if any of you are holding any weight or stress that you shouldn't be, but apparently today is the day to take that off your shoulders, put it over to the side and move forward. Erin, I'm not sure that the phrase get over it is usually a positive phrase, but what are your feelings about a day to celebrate <laughs> that you just need to move forward to, to other things? Well, I think that sometimes getting over it is positive. I mean, sometimes we dwell on the negative and we just need to get over it. In fact, yesterday I just told my youngest daughter that she, you know, they go through the phase, it's not fair, it's not fair. Get over it. <laughs> Life's yeah. not fair. Like we can work through this, but there are going to be times when you just have to push forward, press on. Mm. If you are currently carrying the weight of something that you probably should just get over, feel free to throw that in the chat. We'd love to maybe add a giggle to uh, to our morning, but also maybe by us all laughing about or reminiscing about a struggle that you are currently working through. Uh, maybe we can all work to get over it together and support you in that. So if you are, if anything is coming to mind, let us know. I know that even small things that that bother us or add hiccups in our day can be things that we choose to step away from and, and move forward from. Also, maybe more importantly, because these holidays today are quite random, my favorite is that it's National Meatball Day. So there you go, National Meatball Day. Are you a meatball person, Erin? So I have to confess. Yeah. I looked up some of these. I, I looked up some of the holidays prior to the show, and the meatball one caught my attention. We're having meatballs, meatball subs for dinner tonight. So there you go. I think everybody should. This is a good assignment. We also have some good news for you. And I thought that this could not only be something for you to bring to your friends or colleagues to foster that deeper relationship, have a good discussion about, but also something we can bring to our students, regardless of the age level, because this specific article that we grabbed from the goodnewsnetwork.org actually has a number of pictures that I think can foster good discussion in addition to the content. So this morning, we're bringing an article to you that says, giant floating solar panel flowers replace coal in Korea and become a tourist destination. So South Korea's total land surface is not large. Instead of clearing what is now known as obviously great real estate, there's a renewable energy project where they're putting, and listen to this, 92,000 solar panels in the shape of plum blossoms that are now floating very gently over the water surface, bobbing up and down in um, on, on the southern end of the country. The solar panels on um, the reservoir are 17 miles long and um, generate all uh, generate a ton of energy that the country is truly thriving on. It's to power 60,000 people more than the total population they're able to get this energy from. So they are completely sustainable. Um, they've been discussing how funny it looks. However, I will tell you, they're quite gorgeous in the water. They're, they're, they look like beautiful things. And it looks like I'm not the only one that feels that way because people are coming from all over the world to come see them in this um, river-like looking space. I will say the pictures are quite pretty, but it almost looks Photoshopped because there's these beautiful, essentially like flowers, like, like lily pads of solar panels in between these beautiful 
ravines um, within Korea. So if you're looking to check that out, I would definitely encourage you to go to the Good News Network. It looks like Bloomberg also did a feature on it. They said giant floating flowers made from solar panels will power two or 20,000 homes. Um, so they're really like looking at this project that they are looking to expand to for their community. So definitely an interesting concept, not only discussing solar powers, but also the design, the beauty and where they were ch chosen to, to put them is quite pretty. Erin, any thoughts on how we can bring that to students? Can you hear us all right? I'm, I'm sorry, you were cutting out. Did you ask a question? Yeah, I said, any thoughts on how we can bring that idea to students? I know our, our connection looks like it's gotten yeah, a little you're just, it, it, You know, Erin, we're going to transition. I'm, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I think I think all of these good news stories. You're good. Go ahead, Erin. I don't want to uh, miss our connection here. What I'm going to have you do is pop out of our live stream and come back in like we did right before we started the show. And we are going to transition here into our brainstorm bank. So we'll be right back. And I know you'll be right back as well. Good morning. We know that Aaron will be back here in just a second as we are figuring out that connection piece, uh, but she has a whole lot to share. So as we're transitioning her into the show, looks like she'll be here in just a few moments. I would love to challenge you to add your questions, comments, or concerns, anything that you want to bring to Aaron this morning in the comments. We know that it is bright and early as we are all getting ready for a big day ahead of us, but specifically as we look at you know, being able to discuss on a Wednesday morning, there's so many different things that we can dive into to get set for our day, whether it's brainstorming through an idea that we're trying to support a student better than ever. Um, maybe we're struggling with a conversation we need to have with leadership and we're looking for advice. I was just speaking with some educators yesterday that have some big changes occurring in their district and they want to problem solve through how to handle some of the stress or the chaos that sometimes feels the, with um, hiring season being just uh, before us. So as we are looking at our brainstorm bank section, please feel free to throw any of your questions there. Erin, we do have um, a theme this week, which is about refreshing our technology. I'm not sure how much technology is something that you're passionate about, but when you think about refreshing our tech skills, um, what comes to mind? Well, with technology, I have uh, a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I, uh, with as far as teaching, like in our, my kindergarten classroom, um, I felt like at the time technology was being a little bit pushed too much on the little ones, and I think sometimes we we need to keep in mind what's developmentally appropriate and what gets us the best. Um, I think in regards to like data and assessments. I think technology makes it so easy to collect the information that we want to collect. Um, but with technology and kindergartners, even first graders, um, sometimes it's not the best data because they're not, you know, able to use it as as well as like a middle schooler or a high schooler. Um, 
Not to say they shouldn't be on it, obviously, because I think as long as we're using the technology to create things um, and not just to get them log on and have them be busy, right? Um, which I think a lot of times can be difficult. So um, I think there's just so much in the early years that is important that we can do without that technology. I think at home they're on technology all the time. And um, I, I listened to uh, the gal that was on yesterday and I loved what she said about um, taking the standards and using the technology to support that. Um, so it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when teachers just let them have tech time just to let them have tech time where instead you could be really utilizing um, good tech to teach the standards. Well, I think you're spot on, Erin, and I would love to have our conversation focus on how you make those good decisions, because you're right, we can always have more technology integration, but if it's not purposeful, then I'm not sure that it really adds much to our students' learning experience. So while many times over the week, we are gonna focus on really challenging our technology resources and challenging our community to integrate different technology pieces. Today, let's focus on the refresh of, do you always need to use the technology you're currently choosing to implement? What a great perspective. I know a lot of your work, especially at the lower grade levels, um, has to do with ensuring that our kindergartners and our, our younger grade levels have really rich experiences in the classroom. Is there a connection here between the research you're doing, the, the book that you've written, and then obviously kind of this topic here that we can make that connection for our viewers? Well, a big, a big part of um, my book of Slow Down Children Are Learning is that we need to make sure that we're not just rushing through curriculum and that we're making learning meaningful and so that these students can create an organic love for learning. And tech does play a big role in that. Kids love tech. And so I do think that it's necessary and that it's good. Uh, I just have this pet peeve of just logging kids on just to have them work quietly. You know, it has to be meaningful and fun. And I think they can build relationships and problem solve and have that natural organic learning through technology, um, through STEM, robotics, coding. There's so many great uh, tools. I know we had... Um, I want to say it's called Chatterbox. I'm not sure, but it was a free app that we used when the kids were learning shapes and they would take their iPad and they'd snap a picture of a square and then they'd create like an animal that talks that's a square and they make it say, I have four sides, I have four corners. You know, they're using that and that is meaningful and it is developmentally appropriate and they are working with peers and um, there's so many good things out there. I just think that as a refresh, we need to remind ourselves that human interaction and, and relationships and hands-on learning um, can be done using these great tools in technology. You know, Erin, you have been able to share so many different tips and tricks with us thus far. 
if you are think, reflecting on your book, I know everyone's going to go over to Amazon and, and go grab that after learning from you this morning. What do you feel like is a, is a major takeaway from your book? Something that maybe we can provide our viewers this morning as a, as a simple concept to consider and chew on or as an idea they can truly go implement. What do you think is a valuable takeaway um, that we can kind of get excited about this morning from your book? Well, the biggest takeaway I would say is building, taking time to build a foundation for learning. And that doesn't just happen in preschool, kindergarten, and first grade. That happens every year in high school, the beginning of your year, setting the foundation for that year and providing your students with the tools to believe in themselves, to love learning, to become a problem solver, all of those things that take time to develop no matter the grade level, slowing down to do those things are going to get you further ahead in the end. And I know we're all overwhelmed as educators right now. And I know that there are students in every class that are difficult, but we still have to slow down and take time to get to know them and to love them and to give them the things that they need in order to learn in the best way that they can. And to, for us to help them discover who they are as a learner and what they're meant to do and what they're meant to be. Which is so important. I mean, I think that that is something that we can all strive to improve on, especially this week, taking on that challenge to, to, to be something that we can really focus on. If you were, um, you know, if we have viewers that are just tuning in for this one moment and they weren't able to see anything else in the show, um, can you give us one soapbox moment? What's, what's one takeaway that you want all teachers to truly consider and choose to be an active part of the solution for? What is something that you're so passionate about that you want to make sure they hear this morning from you? Well, I would say slowing down and just building relationships with these kids. This, every child that walks into your class needs you. And you don't know the impact that you're having on them. And I would say that when you walk into your class every day, you need to remember that it starts with you, that you have to take care of yourself. You have to have a positive mindset for yourself before you can have this impact. And I believe that if you if we slow down to do those things, that we can have a life impact on the students that come into our class. Yeah, no, it's so important. You know, Erin, we're gonna transition here into some recommendations we love, which is a segment that we only get to do on Wednesdays where we're able to recommend next steps, resources and things to help us be successful. Before we do that, I do wanna add a little tidbit and I'm going to try and um, be cognizant of the fact that I heard this story from another educator and I, I would hate to reveal too many details without permission, but I was speaking with an educator yesterday who um, shared that they had one of those dream teacher moments, those moments that we all wish for, hope for, and are eager to have in our career, and only a few will ever be able to experience. So stick with us for a second. Um, this educator who's been in the field for two decades, 
uh, was headed over into her community to get her haircut, which we all do. I mean, that's a frequent activity. And uh, the, the person that ended up cutting this teacher's hair was a former student, which is so fun. It's always so wonderful to be able to to interact with students that you've had years ago and be able to uh, make a connection to see them in you know their adulthood years. It's so exciting. And um, the the hairstylist paused uh, during the during the haircut and said, "I know this is probably very strange, but I have to share something with you." And of course, the teacher's like, "Of course, it's so good to see you. Tell me what's going on in your life." And um, the student or the the hairstylist, the former student, stepped back and step step back and says, "You know, I had you in elementary school, and when I was in your class, um, we had a really traumatic event happen." And you, and she, you know, this is the hairstylist talking to the teacher. She's like, you were the, so memorable through this experience because you were calm. You kept us safe. You put the, you know, the information, the learning aside, and and you made sure that we all had time and space to deal with this trauma. And the hairstylist is going on and on about how the teacher not only was there to support them through this very traumatizing time, but also that this, I mean, it stuck with her all the way through her years in education, now into adulthood. And she's like, I never had an opportunity to thank you for being that rock. And even at such a young elementary age, I vividly remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so fortunate to have this teacher in this moment because they are helping me be successful. And I know I'm being vague. So the impact of the story I know is, is slightly missed, but I just want to celebrate that, you know, as educators, we are constantly problem solving and trying to do what's best for students. And knowing that even at a very, very young age, regardless of the types of students that you teach, these are memorable experiences. So shout out to that educator that is, of course, making a massive impact. But shout out to all of you that are, are listening this morning, the impact that you're making. You'll probably never really get to see the fruits of your labor, but it's such such an important thing for, for you to know does exist and to get that thank you. So hopefully we can all kind of soak in the thank you that a member of our community received recently and know that 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 exists in every single educator story. Just sometimes we're not fortunate enough to hear about our impact. So celebrating you this morning. It is Wednesday. Let's get into recommendations we love. where we like to provide recommendations. I have a good book that I want to recommend, but can you share with us resources that have dramatically impacted you and your success that maybe we can challenge our listeners that if that those topics interest them, they might want to explore further? Yes, I. you're cutting out again, but I think you're asking me for resources that impacted me. <laughs> Yes. Hopefully that's correct. Um, I would like to say that, that, you know, there are tons of resources. Okay. <laughs> there are tons of resources out there. There are tons of books, but I personally have found the most value from my colleagues. I um, had the opportunity to teach in an inclusion setting and working. Oops. It looks like we just lost Aaron. Bummer. <laughs> 
Oh, I know technology is so tricky. I will give a shout out. I really love that her her story thus far was about the value of a connection, the value of collaborating, be, building a PLN and making those connections with people. It looks like she's popping in now. I'd love to continue to hear her thoughts on the value of connecting with other people in addition to resources. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on here today, this morning. No problem. Um, I was saying that the people around you can sometimes be your best resource. And, and I challenge every teacher to use the resources that are in your building, your speech and language pathologist, your intervention specialist, your reading specialist, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, your principal, your teammates. Because when you spend time with them, you gain the knowledge they have. If you've ever sat in on an IEP meeting, which I'm sure all of you have, um, I know for myself, I learned so much from every single one of those meetings. And um, just working alongside and not being afraid to ask the questions. That's like the biggest thing. Ask the questions so that you can get better. Mm. So good. Such an important reminder. I appreciate that, Erin. For those of you who are also looking for resources to support your um, tech refresh that we're focusing on this week, I just really quickly wanted to highlight a book I know I've highlighted on the show, but I do believe is a really, really easy resource to be able to go through and refresh your tech. This is by Monica Burns. It's called EdTech Essentials, Top 10 Technology Strategies for All Learning Environments. Monica sent me this book um, a few months ago when it was published, and I know I mentioned it right off the bat, but I will say the reason I think this could be a good resource for this week, now that I've really explored the book even further, is looking at how the chapters are laid out as an opportunity for you to refresh your skills. So for example, the chapters are laid out into a number of different um, statements here, and they're all related to EdTech Essentials. So for example, one of them says, help students develop skills they can transfer across digital spaces. So that's the title of one of the chapters. As you go into that chapter, it not only discusses the importance of that skill, but also discusses action that you can take or resources that you can go explore or technology tools that you can go try out related to that topic. So other chapters are called um, develop structures to give students the ability to collaborate, give students time and space to create products of learning, assess students to check for understanding, and pivot instruction. So again, this uh, book really did a wonderful job, not just telling you, oh, here's a tech resource that you should go use, but telling you the why behind the tech resource so that then you understand why maybe a tech tool is a good option for you. That is recommendation. So definitely shout out to Monica Burns, the work that she does. She's obviously a valued member of our Teach Better community as well. And we love connecting with her and her content. So if you're looking for a resource, hopefully it's a good option for all of you. Erin, I would love to ensure that our community gets an op gets time to connect with you. Obviously, we're able to connect virtually in a number of different ways. Would you mind sharing your Twitter handle, your Instagram handle, whatever space you want people to explore further if they want to connect with you and also learn about the book. Yeah, so I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram. My handle is Be There Difference. 
I also have a blog called Be There Difference. Um, so just www.betherdifference.com. And I've got uh, lots of blog articles and resources and fun stuff on there too. Um, my Twitter handle is a little bit different. It's Be There Diff. Um, and so yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, my blog. I love it. So good. I hope all of you choose to go connect with Aaron. Like we said earlier in the show, I connected with Aaron just a few months ago. We've been able to have such good dialogue and continue to foster connections between ourselves as educators, but ourselves as friends as well. And we'd love to ensure that you too are adding people to your network. Aaron, thank you so much for power throwing all these tech resources and struggles with us, but it was wonderful to have you share your story. For those of you that are here with us this morning, we appreciate you. We hope you have a wonderful day. And of course, if you're listening after the fact, we hope that your day was too very, very wonderful. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out and enjoy your last few sips of coffee as we head into Wednesday, March 9th. Thank you so much, friends. See you later.